And this comes back to what I was saying earlier with taking a realistic snapshot of what's achievable and what might have to be compromised or take a back seat if we want to accomplish something quite major. Welcome to the Superwell Podcast, your source for truly holistic and original perspectives on health and happiness. Each week, we take true dives into the key areas of life with true leaders and true conversations. It's your time for a super well life. Hello, super well team. Welcome back to the podcast. As I sit here recording this now and I look out the window, there are autumn leaves everywhere on the ground as the change of seasons has started to occur. Now, we thought that this would be an opportune time to actually discuss change as a concept overall. So we have got Nadra Deary, who's our psychologist, and Gemma Hanley, who's our master NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist, to join in on a conversation all about change and how to navigate change. So broadly, we talk about change in two sort of directions, change that we are deciding upon ourselves and how to try and ensure our success with that change. And secondly, change that is thrust upon us through outside mechanisms and uh, how we adapt to that um, and make sure we're flexible with the way we approach uh, that change as well. It's a great chat. Uh, We look forward to any feedback you want to send us as well. So without further ado, enjoy. Here we go. Welcome, Nadra. Welcome, Jem. Thank you. Thank you. G'day. Hi. We're here to talk about change. Navigating change. Uh, obviously, change of seasons is upon us, which is a good time to have this conversation. I think a great place to kick it off today is discussing when we choose to have change in our life, um, how we go about that. So, uh, I think uh, maybe we'll throw it over to Jem um, to open this up. So, if people want to change stuff, um, there's things that they want to see happen in their life, um, mm. that they're excited by, goals, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of advice do you have for people to ensure that they have success when they go through that process? Yeah. It's an interesting one when we choose change because often that will come from a place where we're excited yeah. and motivated um, and where there's a lot of hype around it. So that's not always long lasting. So it really is quite important that if you want the sustainable change and if it's something that you want to create as a new norm, that there are some practices behind that. Um, And I think when it's a space in life where the change is chosen, so it's something or a direction you're moving towards that you want, um, that routine and structure can be quite appropriate to have around that as well, Um, which is something I love doing in my own life and I love chatting to people about as well. So um, what that can often look like as a starting point is, well, what is required to implement this change? What's required for it to roll out? Um, because I think as human beings, we can be pretty quick to focus on what we want in those moments of excitement mm-hmm. and hype um, and not really take into account the full picture of what we might need to shift or change or compromise on, what might need to fall away to allow that change to come into place um, and what the opportunity costs of that will be as well, yeah. And do you feel like um, there are any things that hook people in when you're thinking about, uh, you know, the excitement? You talked about people get 
wound up in the hype of wanting mm-hmm. to change something. Mm-hmm. The, th- the common errors that you see that people sort of make in that regard? Um, probably less so that I would call an error, but something I would say is um, there's not a huge exploration of why that's important to them or why they want to move in that direction. Um, and if we're not connected to why something's important to us, it can be really easy to forget why we began or why we started. Um, and then when um, we come up against a situation where we have to make a compromise or um, we need to create a shift or change that's a bit uncomfortable, it's, it's quite difficult to then connect into the purpose of doing that if we haven't explored at the beginning of the why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting one because it can sound at times like, you know, I'm saying let's dampen down the excitement or let's dampen down the hype, which I'm not. It's more taking a realistic snapshot of everything that's going on around that and making sure that um, you are okay and it is important to you, are okay with what will have to shift and change and it is important to you that you achieve that. So, mm. And I think people can get caught in, like, you, you get you see sort of big picture people that can dream and they have the why and they... Mm have a really sort of strong idea of what they would like, but then they can get stuck in the overwhelm of that. Um, and then you've got the sort of other camp of people where, you know, they don't really they don't really take the time to explore what that bigger picture looks like or, or mm. what, what they want. So and then you get people sort of falling, you know, in between. But um, <clears throat> I think there are a large people a large group of people that don't actually know what that why is or Yeah. Yeah. They don't take the time, or they're not. Loop. They don't. They're not in families where that is. That is what is, you know, done in, in, with their parents, or that vision hasn't been created. Um, mm. So yeah, I find a lot of people just they haven't been exposed to that way of thinking. So I think it's looking at both of those. So you know, helping people connect with those, those big and little whys, but also then very much knowing how you're going to get there. Do you have any any tips for people trying to establish, you know, their why and things like that? Why don't we talk about in the fir- very first episode a little bit, or quite a lot actually? But um, just in regard to connecting that with change um, and using it as, I guess, a reference point to um, make sure that you're changing for the right reasons and in the right way. Mm. Um, do you have any? Any things, any tools or suggestions that you can give for people to do? Any exercises? I think another great question is, well, for what purpose do I want this? Or for Mm. what purpose um, would I bring this into my life? Yeah, what what do I envisage it's going to add? Or what what in reality will that look like? Yeah. So, yeah, very much when you ask that question, Marcus, it's about values to me. Um, but really understanding I'm at a point in my book at the moment where it's looking at extrinsic and intrinsic values. So are, your, are you intrinsically motivated? So is it something about you being, um, I don't like the word better, but being more of the person that you value? So being kinder, um, being more compassion, compassionate, reaching your potential as a human being, contributing to community and society. So mm-hmm. are your motive, motives and values intrinsic? Or they, or are they extrinsic? So, is it about status? Is it about material possessions? Is it about um, things outside of you that are drawing you um, in that direction? Because if it is extrinsic, 
then that's short-lived. You know, we might get this temporary hit and we might feel good for a, a little while while we have the house or the car or, um, you know, certain possessions, but that won't fuel you long-term. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that question very much is about value. So really just asking yourself, well, what really matters to me? What are the most important things in my life? What, um, in, if I look at each domain of my life, so health, relationships, yeah. career, um, spirituality, all of these aspects, you know, what really matters and what matters to me. It doesn't matter what, what matters to the next person or even society at large. You know, in Western culture, we can get very, I think we, we are very much led into that extrinsic motivation because that's what we're marketed you know and it's only getting more strong I think so Mm. and then with social media that's very much often extrinsically you know driven so I think it's easier to fall into that so I think it's really being clear just about well what matters to me in each of those domains so it doesn't have to be complicated I think as I've said before we can get caught up in I don't know what what a value is it's like well what matters what brings you joy? Mm. When do you feel connected? Yeah. 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 And I think even looking at the other side of that as well, asking the question what matters or what's important, it doesn't necessarily have to be how do I word this? So we can ask what's important to you about that and not actually like the answer that we come up with yeah. as well. So yeah. not just right. what are we connected to, but what am I valuing or what am I placing as a high priority here? And do I like the answer that comes yeah. up with that? Because yeah. if not, then that gives you the power to change the driver behind your thinking and behind your behavior to get to a different result. So mm. in answer to your question, what activities, I really like question-based journaling. So questions like that, why is this important to me? Um, for what purpose do I want this? Um, I also think I like the breaking down of the different areas in life, but understanding there's an overlap there. Yeah, um, sure. So I look at them as health relationships, uh, purpose and career, finances and wealth, lifestyle and play. Um, and there's a set of questions that relate to each of those. And then something I've definitely taken away from you, Marcus, is looking at making sure they're not sabotaging each other. And that. Um, and this comes back to what I was saying earlier with taking a realistic snapshot of what's achievable and what might have to be compromised or take a back seat. If we want to accomplish something quite major in the space of health in our life, well, what does that mean for other areas as well? And do you revisit that at a periodic frequency because obviously people can make a determination of what's Mm -hmm. important to them at any particular point in time but then as life rolls on and new things are added in um, things are taken out all of a sudden what was important may go down the pecking order a little bit Mm. so how often do you revisit that personally and how often do you recommend that people revisit that because life's always changing and we need to make sure that we're uh, conscious of these things yeah that's right Look, in the past where I've perhaps been in a space of life where I've been wanting to build and create quite significant shifts, I've revisited monthly. Um, But now it's probably something that comes far more organically and naturally to Mm. me, just being in tune with myself and how connected I'm feeling um, to life. Yeah, I agree. I think you can change in a day. Yeah. Or you can can have that realisation that, hang on, I'm getting pulled in this direction. This is not really what, Mm. what I'm wanting. So I think, yeah, I think if you're tuned in and you've got that level of awareness, that can change, you know, day to day. But I think for me, I kind of, I will regularly 
revisit my short term goals, so sort of not to a month, and then my yeah. my medium term, so one month to maybe one to three or six months, mm-hmm. and then your longer term goals, which is quite a big stretch of time. But I think you're yeah, not being locked in and not feeling like you you know you're held hostage to those is really crucial, and I think that comes back to just having that sort of strong sense of self and really understanding yourself and you know being mindful of the you know these pools that we have Mm. in different directions something i'm seeing in clinic a lot with clients lately is that they've developed um this structure or these rules or um, a system that's worked for them in the past and it's been working for them but they've gotten to a point where they're butting up against it and there's friction and it's not working anymore but because at an unconscious level they decided it was right and it was um so a perfect example could just be meditating every morning um, but they're beginning to feel resistance to mm. that. Um, it's not as enjoyable. It doesn't have as much flow. But because it's what they were doing before and it's worked, they continue to do it. Yeah. Um, but until we stop and check in with that and look at what's still working, what's not working, do we need to remove it completely? Do we just make some tweaks? Um, and that's just one example. But And yeah. not being held by the shoulds. I should do that because mm. there's so much evidence, exactly. you know, that suggests that we all should be doing this. Like should, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally agree with that and just having compassion around yourself that you know we we probably all have this ideal of what we would like to be doing on a daily basis or weekly or regularly but it's not always going to play out that way so it's having that compassion and otherwise if we don't have that compassion we get caught in things you know and yeah. we we often like grow unpleasant emotions because mm. we can't sort of just sort of watch it and accept yeah where we're at so and so much relief can come from that oh just letting it go yeah that's it because it's often our own standards that we're holding ourselves Mm -hmm. to but then yeah standards that we don't even know yeah whether they're actually relevant anymore Mm -hmm. so to tie that up i guess at the beginning when you asked with um planned change or chosen change i think the other thing that's really important to is to have set measures in place Mm -hmm. so that you can track how you're actually going um, so that you can, again, shift and change if you need to. Mm-hmm. And having somebody holding you accountable can be really yep. helpful, whether yep. it's actually a mentor or a coach or whether it's a friend or a colleague. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, building in checks or measures so that you have evidence, tangible evidence of how yeah. you're actually going. Otherwise, you just have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tracking. Um, Gem, you spoke about earlier conversations we've had about making sure you understand when you take actions in one area of your life the impact that that may have on Mm. another area and making sure that you don't cannibalize yourself through your own actions Um, and then you just brought up the word friction and I know Nadra you and I one time had a conversation that where you know I I think I said a phrase if you're not in flow you're in friction Mm. and I think this is a really good time to um, move this conversation along to when you do have to make change in your life in areas that you know you need to and you know you have to, but there's something holding you back mm. that you, you don't want to let go of. Um, how do people, do you have advice for people how they would go about this process? So an example might be someone who is going through a relationship breakup and they know someone is toxic to their life, but they can't let go because they have obviously established an emotional connection over a period of time so they want to hold on but at the same time consciously they know they need to let go Mm. Uh, how 
would you advise people to try and navigate that? Because obviously they're going to be at a point of friction there whilst trying to establish flow in their life and change um, across the board. Good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is, and the relationship's probably a good example, but it could be generalised to other things. I think there's always a payoff. So when we're engaging in a, you know, it might be a relationship or a certain behaviour, we're getting something from it. And I think if you can identify what am, I, what am I actually getting from this that's making me so resistant to letting it go, I think if you can identify that, then mm. you're halfway there. If you, because something like if that was me, and once I can identify what it is that's keeping me in in this thing, space, relationship, whatever, then I'm like stuff that I'm not going to let that you know drive my decision making. So. I think, say, in relationships, and this might be something I talk about quite a lot with clients or I can identify and they might not be in that space yet, but, you know, I'm helping sort of explore that with them, um, is that, um, you know, it might be that companionship. You know, there's a, there's a need being met that someone is seeing me. I'm, I'm spending time with someone. I'm not feeling lonely. Um, or the, you know, there's there's always yeah, I guess not always, but in, say in a relationship setting, there's often there'll be some things that are being met by that relationship. It might be financially, you know. Yeah. I see security. Um, a lot of women stay in situations where you know, if they do leave that relationship, they actually will will really struggle financially if they've had children and they've been the primary caregiver and that's meant for going, you know, development in their career and financial stability, mm. then that can be a big reason why people stay in situations. So I think, yeah, identifying what needs are being met and as tying back to what you said before, Jim, that you might not like it, mm. but then I think it is really questioning, okay, well, what is the higher value or priority yeah. right now? Um, and so that identification is probably the first step in that, I would say. Mm. I love that. Mm. I think also there's like steps along the way there in that example, say of someone who, a lady who wants to leave her husband or vice versa. This might not be happening, people, but yeah. you know, we're just using this as <laughs> exactly. an example. You know? um, or someone who wants to leave their job, yeah, you know, that's do the same something different. Thing. Like it might yeah. be financially really viable. And, yeah. and I said this is a good one for men, men and, and men and women, okay, I'm not discriminating. <laughs> but yeah, I see this a lot with men that come that um, there's been threats to their, their job, so it might be. That satisfaction and fulfilment, but it might be health issues that have threatened that, um, and it really can be quite destabilizing. So, yeah, um, and then you know you have to obviously understand the machinations of of making one decision. That's right. On the and the effect the of that on all the other on all the other areas of your life. Yeah, so it's uh, certainly sure not necessarily it. simple or straightforward or something that you might be able to just implement <laughs> immediately. So. Mm. Well, I guess that comes back to the value stuff that you were talking about earlier because if yeah. you understand what's most important, yeah. uh, then you can make those decisions with a little bit more ease. So you yeah. can say, well, I need to make this decision now to leave my job so I get more time with my family, which are more important to me. It just means that maybe we need to also relocate to somewhere financially more viable right. or yeah. X, Y, Z, you know, yeah. um, that I can do more work on my health at the same time and, you exactly. know, I'm going to be better for longer and so forth yeah so it's not that might be a process of two years say for example yeah. in a family where 
um, you know, those finances, they're relying on that income. So, yeah, we're not suggesting that it's certainly an easy process, but I think it's that, yeah, that awareness around all of those facets and then kind of really working practically um, to, to, yeah, to make those changes mm. as needed. Yeah. I would suggest that this is probably one of the hardest things to go through in life, change that yes. you know you need and that yes. you connect to but you yeah. don't necessarily want to yes. make. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think with that can come a lot of pressure and overwhelm um, Especially, and conflict. Yeah, conflict. So, so it much might conflict. be not a popular decision. Yeah, you know? that's right. You might get that, oh, but I know my family will judge me for this or mm-hmm. I know that um, it's going to mean, yeah, changes to my children's education, say if it's jobs or whatever it means. It might be for going at something that is still a value but is identified as not as a high value. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it is really challenging mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable and I think that that was a word I was going to yeah. come to is that this isn't necessarily comfortable. It's definitely not comfortable. And so I think a lot of this is having that sort of emotional intelligence being able to to sit with uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and unpleasant feelings yeah Um, and I think when you've identified what it is that's most important or what it the why behind putting yourself in this situation to create a new and different outcome yeah um coming back to that question of do I still want what I started out with yeah. or started out for yeah. or what I started moving towards? Because yeah. that's just a great cut through in the moment of overwhelm and um, feeling the pressure and feeling like everything's too much. Well, do I still want that outcome? Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, the answer's going to be yes. Yeah. And then just connecting to that and then peeling it right back to, okay, well, what do I need to do right now in That's the next it. hour? Yeah. Or what do I need to do today? Yeah. And letting the rest fall away. So coming back to that kindness of self and mm. acknowledgement for mm. what, what we are achieving as well. I think the, uh, the word identity is something also that's important to discuss here in that if you've done something for a long time or been with someone for a long mm. time or been somewhere for a long time, it becomes part of who you are. And so the idea of moving away from that is also losing a sense of self. And that is also quite a a scary thing for people to do. You know, there's a whole vulnerability Mm. that goes around that. But I I think there's, you need to separate the reality of living from like who you are as an individual, Mm. as a person, you know, as an entity, because stuff's always changing yeah. uh, it just means that we, we perhaps our perception of self is something that comes into play there as well mm-hmm. yeah for sure and that uncertainty of well I don't know how it's going to impact like who I am and my sense of self mm-hmm. but you can't control that so you know for me it's just, just let it happen and you'll, you'll work it out you know um, but yeah that letting go and the uncertainty and the vulnerability is that ain't comfortable mm. But far out, it's rewarding. Yes, you know, so rewarding. when you can, because you just that confidence that comes with doing. It's like anything. It's like doing a new, you know, doing a new activity or um, putting yourself in a situation that is unfamiliar. You can't learn that. You know, you can't learn that in a book. You, mm-hmm. you, you, it's experiential. You have to do it. And so I think it's the same thing that, and not until you, you're in this situation that the growth and the confidence that will come from that's really cool. Mm. Having children is such a big one for that. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. It just blows your head you just off. Just wait, Jen. <laughs> sort of, I'm trying to put my head back on. I don't know where it's gone. Oh, it's sometimes. just like a constant evolution. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. it. It's, yeah, it, it, you reach every, the highs of highs and the lows of lows. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's an amazing thing to go through because you learn a lot about yourself. You do. Uh, as a person. Uh-huh. And you get tested. A lot. Yeah. Have you got three? I've only got mm-hmm. one at the moment. So. Yeah. If you tuned into stories yesterday, you would have heard my kids <laughs> yeah. trying to one-up me on the... <laughs> so... Actually, I just want to add one more thing that I yep. think is really important. When you talk about identity, we just talked about then um, that experience ourself of potential separation from identity and connecting to who we are. But I think from my personal experience of instances of this sort of change in my life, one of the most challenging can actually be um, our surroundings and our relationships adapting to our change of identity as well, and that can be quite yeah, a lonely and isolating a experience. Yeah, um, not everyone's going to like it. No, accept it. and a lot of people probably won't like it, and that can really develop the process of enforcing boundaries. Yeah. Um, and if we can become really good at reframing what's happening, mm-hmm. we'll be empowered to move through that. So with every little bit of resistance or for every comment we get that isn't supportive of this new chosen way that we we're going along. Um, if we can look at that as well, let me just check back in. Is this still true for me? Is this still what I want? Yes, I can move through this. I can achieve this. And I have seen time and time again, that there will often be an adjustment of connections and relationships. Mm, Um, and environments in your life and lifestyle yeah. as that change happens and occurs as well. Yeah. So just being aware that that is probably um, a byproduct of yeah. growth as yeah, well. So, and seeing that as evidence that the growth is happening. What's an example of that in your life? Uh, friendships was a really big one. So and what was the change that, that created that flow and effect in friendships though? Um, so I guess me wanting to participate in more balanced Mm. relationships and, um, well, enforcing my boundaries around who I was as a person and wanting Mm. to be more connected to myself and, um, being proud of who I was Mm. and speaking up about what was Mm. important to me and how I wanted to spend my time. And, um, for people who rejected that or didn't like that, that being okay with that because everyone's different but then also repositioning that relationship to what was the new appropriate or new best for me Mm -hmm. um and opening the space and holding the space for other relationships to come in and fill that Mm -hmm. where I would have that balance and deep connection as well Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's two parts that that are interesting in one that uh you're forcing change upon someone else as well because mm. if they've got an established relationship True. with you yeah. Yeah. and all of a sudden you become different, then the role you're playing in their life is also different. Well, it's so, a trigger. Yeah, that yeah. they're going to resist that change because it's more comfortable for them to mm. keep you how you are. Mm. How you are. So that um, will obviously generate some resistance. And then two, uh, sometimes you can also be um, embodying what they want to do Mm-hmm. Uh, but they haven't been able to do yeah. in their life. Yeah, so that, yeah, threat. so then there's Ego, some threat. And, it's about self. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Again, which is, you know, um, an important thing to understand. And even when you are going about change, to consider as you're doing it or before you do it, to make sure you consider the impact on the others around you yeah. if you are wanting to make sure that you maintain yeah. relationships. Yeah, and communication's a big part of that. You know, I say time and time again, people don't know what they don't know. 
Um, we have so much going on in our mind and we get to a place of where we think we're certain or we're accepting or we're connected or happy with the direction we're going to go in, but we haven't actually brought the people around us along on that journey or experience Mm. with us. And if we want their support um, and love and understanding, we have to invest in giving them the information that will allow them to do that for us as well. Mm. Yeah, it's important. So... The other side of change is change that we're not deciding to do, but change that's forced upon us. And there's, I guess, two types of change under this that we might talk about. One is things that are unstoppable and uncontrollable, like the change of seasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing we can do right now (laughs) to stop Melbourne from getting a bit colder. Uh, Winter is coming, Game of Thrones reference. And Mm -hmm. it's... So there's that. And then there's change that we aren't expecting um, that is forced upon us like a partner leaving or like being made redundant and and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, so they're two different types of change perhaps we'll start with the second one when things are sort of thrust upon us unexpectedly how we deal with that Mm. everyone's looking at me (laughs) no you're right you got the mic lady I got the mic there's so much to this, so I don't really know in what order I'm going to talk about things, but it will all sort of come out. Yeah, this is massive, and I think you see such variation in how people manage big changes. Um, so I think when change is thrust upon us, and probably more, marks you're talking about yeah, traumatic events um, that can really throw us on our head, I think it's it's kind of in the beginning, it's sort of just holding on. Like, it, that can be really challenging in itself. And um, and I think kind of knowing that it's okay, that the turmoil and having some really big emotions is okay. Um, and if you're aware of that, then at least you're connected. Like, mm-hmm. at least you're present and you're aware of it. So, you know, I get more worried with people when I don't see the emotion or I don't see kind of a reaction because I'm like, that kind of seems big to me, yet I'm not sort of seeing any emotion. So I'll get, like, in, in my client groups, I'll see sort of two different types where, yeah, some are very, you know, the emotion is very apparent and that they're very expressive um, but then I do get clients that are really quite what I would call unemotional mm-hmm. and quite disconnected and you know there's a block there um, so I think yeah first the first point is expect that it's going to feel traumatic and mm-hmm. it's going to um, really feel completely overwhelming um, yeah so that, that intensity of emotion is is expected so I think in those early stages, um, it's really connecting with people and things that are going to feel very supportive and nurturing. So that care of self is, is crucial. Mm. So, um, and then for those people, I guess, that you see have got those strong connections, it's, it's so protective in their life. So they might really still be... I guess what we call struggling, um, but having the, the the people in their life that they have those deep connections with that they can cry with or um, talk with or just do stuff with mm. um, is really important. 
just company sometimes yeah, is enough. Definitely, just mm-hmm. fe- not feeling alone. Because mm-hmm. I think some of these really big experiences can feel really quite isolating, even if yeah. you've got people around yeah. you that really love you. Um, yeah, and I, I'm probably won't go into it too much, but I had a, you know some big life traumatic events happen quite successively um, a number of years ago, and they were really quite deviations from the norm. Um, and I did, I felt really lonely and that was part of the emotion was no one can actually really get me at this moment. Mm-hmm. This is really challenging. Um, and as well, people react if, if it's, you know, we're not overly great at, um, being able to be with people through pain. So often people kind of, they can kind of turn their back because mm. they can't deal with it. Mm. Or don't so want to do the wrong thing. That's it. I won't, I don't, I'm too scared <clears throat> of saying the wrong thing. It's like, just say something. Mm-hmm. Saying nothing is the worst thing you mm. can do. So, yeah, so that self-care, have, yeah, just having people around you, yeah. um, you know, really breaking it down to the most simple things like going outside, you know, being mm-hmm. in the sunshine, um, yeah, having things that distract you that are also, you know, going to sort of feed your soul. So, mm. yeah, nature and, and fun if you can. It doesn't yeah. mean you're going to have fun. Well, yeah, I know for me one of the biggest things if if I have been in a situation like that in the past is breaking out of the norm and getting out of my head. So, yeah, yeah doing yeah. things I wouldn't normally do, saying yeah. yes to invitations normally. or things yeah. that I wouldn't normally, yeah. um, spending time with different people. Mm. Yeah, I think trying to get out of your head, yeah. so things that are going to force you into the present mm. is really helpful. And that's where I think having children is, is mm. really is a blessing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so one of the things that happened, I had breast cancer a number of years ago um, when I was 34 and I had, my, I had a baby at that stage who was six months old and I had a four and a two-year-old child. So it was very intense. Um, but one of the beautiful things is that I was still able to watch life. Life goes, keeps going on, you know, um, and children pull you into the moment and you, there was still so much joy around that time. So mm-hmm. it's not all or none, like it, just because there was a lot of, I guess that was very traumatic and there was, it, it completely changed our lives and, and especially over that immediate um, time frame when I was getting treated um, yeah, like it, there was a lot of that, but it wasn't all of that. You know, my life, I had, I was laughing and I, I could experience joy and um, still do things that um, were really meaningful to me. So I think seeing that it doesn't mean our life ends. Mm. Um, yeah, it was hard. It was bloody hard. But now I think where I'm at now, looking back and still, I, it feels surreal, but still at the same time, I think, wow, I've just grown so much from that. Um yeah, so there's appreciation for, for that happening to me and, and all of the changes that have occurred since then. So, yeah. Gem and I talked uh, earlier today about this idea of how far your emotional bandwidth kind of is. So, you know, if you try and avoid all challenge and you don't really get many downs, you're not going to get many ups either. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then having challenge uh, obviously allows you to go to certain depths of emotional um, status, mm. which then also will allow you to experience greater highs as well mm. um, off the back of that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's an important point to understand that yeah. you know, there's an opportunity within that as well. Yeah, I so agree with that. Mm. Like it is muted. You can't, yeah, 
and I can relate to that. Like I think, um, I think largely before having that experience, surprisingly, I was quite disconnected from myself. You know, um, and that really opened me up. And I think that was it was a really difficult few years. Not because of what happened to me health-wise, as that yes, but also emotionally it really really challenged me and as I you know using that term before about holding on sometimes I felt like I'm like this is too much like I feel too raw I feel too you know like I felt like I was getting punched in the face with Mm. all of these different emotions Um, and that vulnerability I think like that taught me a lot about um, that we are vulnerable that's the reality as human beings like that's that comes with with the privilege of being alive, you know, that we, by nature, we're vulnerable. But I think when you can kind of embrace that, or most of the time you can embrace that, and when you don't, you remind yourself that, yeah, we're vulnerable, but we all are, you know, we're all in this together. Um, And having that compassion that vulnerability is actually good because you're invested then. Mm. You've got investment in your life. You want, you know, it's precious to you. What you have in your life is, is really meaningful. So... When I have those moments of vulnerability now, it happens all the time. Every day, I will feel vulnerable. And I'll go, oh. And then I'll go, you know what? This is good. This means my life is good, you know. I've got amazing things in my life that far out I don't want to lose. Yeah. So, But what would I rather? Would I rather not have any of those things? No way. So I take that. I was going to say, buy the balls. <laughs> and, then, anyway. and then you I did. I put that in my handbag. <laughs> I can't help it. I Your giant do. handbags. <laughs> Put it in my handbag and I just carry it with me, you know? And, yeah, so we've gotten a bit carried away there. No, yeah. no that's good. What, so, yeah. Sort of what I'm noticing as we bounce forward and back is it's this balance between acknowledging what's happening and being in the experience and allowing it and reflecting in it, as well as not actually an analogy I've used recently is not going down with the ship. Um, so pulling yourself out of that at times too and being proactive to have those moments of joy alongside and not having all one or or the other Um, and And that's a balance that's hard I think because and I'll say to clients like you you need to express the emotion you know you need to be able to acknowledge what is the emotion where am I feeling it in my body you need to express it so you either need to talk it out with a friend you Mm -hmm. need to journal about it you need to do whatever you do with it. Um, put on your sad song and have a cry, which is what I do. Um, but you, you've got to be able to express it because I think that emotion kind of staying in your body only manifests into something else. So yeah. you need to express it. But I think, actually, I think when you do that and the quicker you can kind of do that, and it might be regularly, like, you know, people that go through big stuff, they might cry for days. And that sounds quite dramatic, but... There might be that much emotion that the body is trying to regulate and the body is always trying to come back to that equilibrium, mm-hmm. um, that that might be necessary. And healthy. Yeah, yeah exactly. The unhealthy option is that's, storing that's that and right. refusing to allow it to come up. So I think you're less likely to wallow and kind of get caught in it. We'll come to beliefs as well on how we see things that happen in our life, I think, next. But, um, yeah, I think... If you're regulating and processing the emotion and you're aware of what it is, you're less likely to kind of wallow in it unless you have these beliefs that are like, this shouldn't happen to me, the world, you know, should look like this. Well, it doesn't. The world isn't fair and it's not just. So Mm -hmm. once you accept that, you know, it makes it easier to be able to just kind of acknowledge and 
and the process. Let's talk about beliefs then because yeah. you brought that up. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, I think the things, like if I look at clients where I feel like they get stuck, um, it is around this belief that this shouldn't be happening to me. Um, why me? So that, yeah, that why me and mm-hmm. um, the shoulds that yeah. life you know, we know life isn't fair, so why would it be fair for me when I'm when you know we know that logically? Like, well, based on that, it almost is fair. You know, bad things happen to everyone. Yeah, well, that's right. So I haven't seen it like that. How you know? How we? What's almost like the arrogance we're having and thinking exactly, we're special that it's exactly. particularly hard for us. And if um, we're going to take the, if we're going to challenge the bad, take the good, like yeah. take the privilege that comes with living in a country like this, take yeah. the fact that we're wealthier than 90% of the world. Mm-hmm. Like you can't take one and not the other. Yeah, actually something I used when I was really unwell for a long time with chronic fatigue and anxiety and depression was I just developed this theory and I called it the pain scale and it was like you know no matter where I am in any moment of any day there's people sure there's people that are probably having a bit more fun in life than me but there is absolutely people that are far worse off or far more struggling or who are in that was a health problem that I was experiencing Mm -hmm. or health change um that are in a space of health where it's going to have a far more um, impactful or detrimental um, effect for the long term of their life. You know, yeah. there's things I can do to create change. Yeah. There's things I can do yes. to move this along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and bringing that into perspective and that, you know, it can be a whole range of different things we use to bring things into perspective. And yeah. it's really powerful. And, you know, I was talking about this the other day. It's not whether people can or can't do that. That is not actually mm-hmm. a reality. Everybody has resources within them to do that. It's whether or not people are choosing to, to do that, to choose to have that perspective. And Yeah. Hmm. So let's roll on to change that we can see coming. Mm-hmm. And this is a really good time to discuss that of the year, even though it's... 29 degrees in the middle of autumn <laughs> in Melbourne. But Jenna's wearing a coat. <laughs> yeah. So she's what she's doing is preparing, which is one of the things that we can talk about, obviously. Yeah, I'm training pre- for it. Pre- prepare for change to see coming. So, you know, we have lots of things in life that occur. Having a family, you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to try and establish yourself in certain areas, uh, career, um, where you're going to live, all sorts of things. Uh, and preparation is obviously key. Do you have any, any, any kind of ideas that you think will help people in preparation? You know, what can they do to understand themselves as an individual in terms of preparing for things that they can see coming at them? Mm. One of the things I love is asking, um, what don't I know? that I need to know to prepare myself or what is um, one of my friends asked this great question. She says, what is the skill set that I'm going to need for the season that's coming ahead? And then looking at how can I find out that information or how can I um, come to have that knowledge that I'm going to need or what can I do to develop that skill set? Who do I need to bring into my life? Who do I need to approach? Um, What action do I need to take to gain the momentum? And probably not waiting until it feels perfect or you think it's the exact right time to start 
creating momentum on those things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else to add? Hmm. Thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think that's, I think it is, it's, it's largely that kind of really looking at, well, what, what does this look like? Mm. Um, and knowing that it's, it's coming ahead and just, yeah, being prepared. I love writing lists, you know, yeah. I just brainstorm like it, once I'm writing stuff on paper, I feel so much more grounded mm. and, um, and maybe like, you know, for me, I'll procrastinate on certain things and I, you know, I can get caught out on things that really, I know, that are really the same, like winter. So it might be that, yeah, it's like, where, where do I know I tend to kind of um, get tripped up? So what am I procrastinating on? What are the barriers? What are the things that I'm kind of avoiding? So mm. it might be just, yeah, getting yeah. in check with those. I'm trying to establish a positive um, bias towards the incoming event is a good thing too. So I know with winter, some of the things that I look forward to, are, you know, slow cooked meals. I like wi- fire. winter clothes. No you know, getting football. to wear my winter clothes, <laughs> footy, my birthday. You know, uh, <laughs> all things that you know, things that you can look forward to because obviously that offsets anything that you, um, yeah. that you're also sort of dreading. You know, the cold mornings and yeah. you know the and things that you, like, that you dislike. It's what we were talking about before. That there's there's going to be the contrast. Like yes, mm. there might be things that you don't like, but there's going to be great things. So. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're only attending to the things that are crappy, um, yeah, then that's not really going to help either. Yeah, and I think if you're noticing those things that are crappy or you're focusing on all the, what did you say, negative bias? Is that what you said? I said try and adopt Create a positive, a positive bias one, yeah. Yeah, um, towards that event. One of the quickest ways to figure out what to do instead or what to focus on instead is to flip it around. So, well, if I don't want that, what do I want? Um, so if not this, then that. Move and to Europe for winter. Yeah, don't that. Exactly right. Or it could be, okay, every year I'm going to book a holiday and go somewhere warm for two weeks. Yeah, um, yeah that's There's right. lots of different things. Yeah. yeah. And just proactive thinking and creative thinking and using the imagination. Um, because, yeah, I certainly in the past have not been a fan of winter. I think mm-hmm. I've warmed up to it the most <laughs> I ever have this year, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but that's how I think about it too so in summer I love spending full days in the park or at the ocean and obviously they're not the best options in the middle mm-hmm. of winter so starting to think about okay well what would I do instead yeah. you know what yeah. places could I visit how can yeah. I get that fulfillment from different things yeah. and I think with maybe change that we know is coming that we haven't yet experienced say like mm. being a, being a mum for the first time it's like that acceptance that I have no idea what yeah. it's actually going to be like or a new job or whatever it is. It's knowing that I, I am not going to be fully prepared for mm-hmm. this. And it's having that confidence in yourself that when I am presented with challenge or um, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed, that then then I know that I will, I will, I will deal with it when I'm in that situation. Mm. You know, I will yeah. until I know what that looks like. Um, but having that confidence that when I'm in that, this is, you know, what I could do. You know, mm. I could reach out to friends that have got kids or yeah. I can, um, whatever it is. But I think just having the confidence in yourself that you will work it out mm-hmm. 
um, that you've got the resources, but yeah, not expecting that you do know everything because you don't. Yeah, and it's appropriate and warranted to That's not know absolutely. everything. Nobody would. And in I that think situation. the flexibility is important. Yeah, you know, we know that people that are the most resilient have that psychological flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, they can adapt to that yeah. change. Not so. set on things working out in a particular way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Time has flown. Hasn't it? So let's just do a little quick sum up of this. Um, So when change comes about through whatever mechanism, um, these are some of the points that I've extracted from what you guys were talking about. Know who you are as a person. Know what's important to you um, so you can use that as a way to guide your decision making. Um, And then you need to know what outcome you're trying to reach. So what, what is it that you're really after in any particular circumstance depending on whether you're making a decision or whether someone's made a decision that affects you. Uh, Just know the outcome that you want. Uh, Know what your role is in the current situation today and what is necessary to get you back on the path that you want. So the path to that outcome that you want. Be flexible. Um, So expect the unexpected because having that flexibility does allow for that resilience. And then try and adopt a positive bias to, to focus on the enrichment that life has to offer as well as the challenge mm-hmm. that accompanies that. So is there anything you feel I left off that list just before we wind this up? Not really. It's a good little summary. Sure is. You might there's put that n- in the show notes. There's nothing, <laughs> um, there's nothing I feel like was left off, but a quote that I find resonates with so many people when we chat about change is um, from Martin Luther King, which is you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. Yeah. Um, and coming back to giving yourself credit and acknowledgement that those first steps are actually the hardest ones too. Yeah. Um, and they cannot feel like a huge amount of traction, but if you just keep taking them, you get to That's where you it. want to be. Put yourself in it and it will And it, it pays off. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank Girls. you. Girls. Peace. Ladies. Women. <laughs> Men. Boys. Legends. <laughs> See ya. Uh, bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Superwell podcast. For more information on any of our episodes, head over to www.superwell.com.au and you can get all the episodes there. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can also find links to iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you want to continue the conversation on with us, then head over to our Instagram page at LiveSuperwell and follow us there and comment under each episode. Uh, if you want to give us any feedback, you can also get in touch via email on the webpage too. So until next episode, live super well.